Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast yeah chicken a crow chicken a crow crossing the road go clicking a poll twitter is gold player unfold so jake on the table and they on the play so Enumerates the plays are analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play unfold. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays are analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play unfold. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays are analytical. Hey, welcome back. So, the preseason's here, and that means everyone's busy reminding themselves that none of it matters. But, <laughs> um, it's really difficult not to overreact to the first football we've seen in a year. And uh, while we all build our own narratives, hopefully we're also remembering which parts of those narratives actually give us the most help. Um, or not, you do you, you know. Um, whatever, it's, it's all good. Either way, I'm really happy you decided to join us here on The Crossroads today. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I write and do stat nerdy type stuff for Dynasty League Football or DLF, and this is in fact a DLF family podcast. I'm normally joined by my co-host Jake Anderson at JakeAndersonFF on Twitter, who also writes and does things for DLF, but um, he's unavailable right now. He did post the other day um, and say he might be able to make it back for the season, but we're just going to have to see how that goes. In the meantime, I'm just getting used to playing with all my real friends here alone in this room. So um, I asked all of you, or anyone that happens to follow me on Twitter anyway, um, what I should talk about. Um, and like I said last episode, I wanted to try and not be positive, but it's really, it's a lot easier to tear a narrative down, honestly. It's a lot easier to tear players down or their potential down than it is to try and hype or try and be positive, which is odd because mostly, no matter what player you name in the NFL, you can find someone who's been a fan of them since they were in kindergarten and they know they're going to be great and here's why and here's their story. Um, so it's odd that it's harder to be positive, or at least... Maybe I should say I find it harder to be positive. Mostly what I do is tear stuff down, be the wet blanket fantasy football, as Jake wants to call me, um, and whatever's left, I guess that's what I like, right? Um, but that's mostly 
as I mentioned on stream the other day, that's mostly trying to counteract my my own nature, which is wanting to go all in on players. Um, believe it or not, I'm player-centric. That's how I look at my statistical analysis. I believe most things come from the quality of the player, even though the quality of every player in the NFL is remarkably high. Mostly I scratch that itch at low cost, right? Uh, that's where undrafted free agents matter, UDFAs matter. Uh, it's a hashtag I've completely failed to get going, but I still post it every now and again, and I love it. Um, so, you know, rooting for David Moore last season was where I scratched that itch. But um, I asked you all what I should try and be positive about, or what I should try and isolate, like which position, what type of what type of positive news I should try and make. Uh, and the votes came in to talk about wide receivers and wide receivers you'd reach on, which is a, it was a really interesting category. I'm actually looking forward to doing it. Um, so what I did is I went ahead and I've made a sheet full of like a, like a, uh, like a cheat sheet for 2018 season looking into 2019. It's got most of them, what I think are the most relevant stats. And what I did is imported uh, the Dynasty League football ADP that I have. Um, last ha the last um, ADP that I have access to is July, which sucks because I usually like to use August, but August still hasn't been released yet. So I'm using July's ADP, which means, among other things, Tyreek Hill looks like a phenomenal value um, because this was before the news that he likely wasn't going to get suspended. So uh, adjusting for the fact that some of this is going to change, I wanted to look at the ADP and then where my personal Dynasty League football ranks were, highlight some players that I, were high, that I was higher on, and then try to look for the range of players that I think is appropriate to talk about reaching. You know, it's one thing to say I like Odell Beckham, but since he's being drafted in the first round everywhere, it's really hard to say I'm going to reach in the first round for Odell Beckham, right? Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, I tend to be a little higher on than most. I really expect big things from him in his career. He's incredibly young. From a dynasty perspective, I think that's something we should almost pay tomorrow's price today on. It's something I've been doing where I can in some of my dynasty leagues. But since the season is just starting to get underway, I also want to continue to try and be a little more uh, redraft-focused, because uh, I kind of play Dynasty that way anyway. So the range that um, seemed to me most appropriate is around round four or five for wide receivers. You know, if you're higher on Keenan Allen, and I am, or Amari Cooper, and apparently I seem to be, um, that's one thing. But it's really hard to reach players when they're in the first two rounds of most Dynasty leagues. So instead, I dropped a bit to where you maybe might be able to find more wiggle room in a draft. Like in round four, you can reach for a round five player, right? So that's the range I'm going to be talking about today. So there are a lot of players I'm high on in this range, um, and also, like I mentioned, above it. But the ones that really occurred to me looking at them was... Uh, and I'm going to keep it simple. I want to I want to split this in two. One, um, the players that I'm going to reach for in this round four, five, six range, um, both for Dynasty and for Redraft. I like these players kind of for both. Um, and then I wanted to mention a few of my flyers, a few of my David Moores of the world that I wouldn't recommend invest any anyone invest any real cost in, but they're players I like, players I'm interested in. Um, they're the David Moores of 2000. 19 that I'm going to be rooting for and basing most of my um, uh, hopes and dreams on, frankly. So, <laughs> um, but first off, let's talk about these players that I'd reach for at wide receiver. And I'm not going to say it's uh, it's everyone that I really like or everyone that I'd want to reach for. 
But um, they are the ones that uh, stick out to me the most. One is Tyler Lockett, and that's the first player I think I'd honestly reach for. He, According to the July ADP, he's the highest player that I uh, highlighted and one that I'd be willing to reach at least a round above. He's going in the fifth round, and I, in late fourth round, to put it mildly, um, I wouldn't mind taking Tyler Lockett, especially in Dynasty, but I really think he could provide some extra value in 2019 as well. Um, he's going as wide receiver 25, and I think that's probably only going to fall, if anything, especially with DK Metcalf looking like uh, an athletic super freak um, in preseason football and showing that he can run on both the left and the right. That's just for Jake. He uh, pro- would probably appreciate me mentioning that. And he's not limited to just one side of the field. So this season, one of my main reasons I like him is he was incredibly efficient last season. I was really high and I'm coming out of college. He had an age 18 breakout age. He was completely dominant on his college team he just looked like a good prospect but at this point we have to evaluate his NFL production and outside the one year that he basically skipped because of an incredibly gruesome knee injury he's been nothing but productive in an offense with low volume pass attempts so he's kind of had to be efficient now having Russell Wilson definitely helps that and last year he actually scored 11 fantasy points over expected just inside the red zone just to show that he was efficient all over the field it wasn't just deep ball uh, attempts that he was catching, although he was incredibly efficient on, on those deep ball attempts that Russell Wilson had to rely on because of uh, the low passing game. Now, the problem with Tyler Lockett is I, like everyone else, don't really expect the Seahawks to change their colors. Their offensive coordinator and their coach are both obsessed with the run, and they're going to keep running it even to the detriment of their incredible quarterback and the receiving core but the thing is no matter how good DK Metcalf is it's really hard to expect him to do too much like he doesn't have to do anything to maintain the faith that people have for him right now he should remain relatively stable and if you like him you should still like him at the end of the season without having to see too much from him but even if he does um, even break out in his first year it's really hard to expect that he would be the number one on the offense as a rookie And with Tyler Lockett already on the field, young, efficient, skilled, and already developed a connection, I guess, if we want to start making a story about it. Um, He had 123.4 expected fantasy points, and that's adjusted for where he was getting the ball um, on the field. And that's outside the top 12, but it's very much firmly inside the top 24. And he was 96.3 fantasy points over expected. And these numbers are according to Rotovis's uh, expected points model. I did a calculation which roughly tries to tell us how well he is performing based on his draft capital in this career year. And he was actually very slightly under what you'd expect in this career year for a wide receiver who's going to. Con- consistently be a top 24 player and um, but also he's a year removed from where he actually should be because of that year he had to miss because of his injury and he's actually not that far below um the career year average for players that have uh, multiple top 24 seasons so i it's one of those it's one of these players that i don't know how it's happened um, and the truth is i don't really care to be honest with you i couldn't have predicted tyler lockett how tyler lockett did well last year either but i was still in on him so i really think there's more value in here where everyone's worried about the efficiency drop i can hope for more targets um, I don't know the Seahawks are going to do it, but between Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, I just think they're going to figure it out. And the fact that he's going outside the top 25 right now in Dynasty um, at age 26. I'm sorry, he was 26 last year. He's probably 27 now. Like, I still expect more 
um, usable seasons from Tyler Lockett. And so I don't mind reaching for him at that ADP at all. Um, the next player that I wanted to highlight was Corey Davis. I think he broke out last year, but I recognize that not everyone evaluates breakouts the way I do. I've been creating that breakout similarity metric to try to hunt for breakouts, and unsurprisingly, Corey Davis does really well. He's got the number one score right now for 2019, um, although my work isn't quite finished on that. He had a 25% market share, and I'll point out that only three players with more than 20% of their team's targets finished outside the top 24, Corey Davis being one. So I think he was just really unlucky, and it was a bad team situation. If you look at his expected points in the red zone, which is a calculation that I do based on TJ Hernandez's um, explanation of how to make it, um, he actually had 12 points under expected based on his volume in the red zone. So in other words, that's two touchdowns that he missed where on average you'd expect player to score 12 more points in other words just based on where he was getting targeted in the red zone Um, and that's breaking it down between the 20 and the 15 the 15 and the 10 the 10 and the 5 and then the 5 and the one yard line so where he's getting his targets and we're very valuable and also you know the word regression at this point is a little bit of a buzzword and um, I think we're starting to forget what it means. It doesn't mean he's due more targets. It just means that if he continues with the volume, and I really think he will, and um, then he had in 2018 in the red zone, they did expect him not to be as unlucky as he was last year. So even if he gets the same volume, the team does the same, which it won't. I really think it can improve with a healthy Mariota, hopefully for an entire year. You'd still expect Corey Davis to do a little better and therefore finish inside the top 24. Um, And especially in Dynasty, I mean, he's in his third year as a first-round wide receiver, which is his last most likely year to break out. Uh, But again, I really think you can measure him as a breakout last year if you just look at opportunity in the history of it. And players that get that type of volume tend to be very good over the course of their career. Um, uh, Robbie Anderson, for example, is a player that we all like um, and have our high expectations for this year as well. And for some people, he's a potential breakout, but he's also finished inside the top 24 and he's never had a market share for his team's targets with a similar amount of competition for targets, to be fair. Um, as Corey Davis did. Um, those are different passing pies, so different amounts of targets. But the point is that players tend to uh, dominate targets to that extent because of something innately about them, not necessarily the team or the overall passing volume, but you don't co-opt so much of the volume from ancillary weapons like uh, Tajay Shah just because you were drafted in the first round or just because you're the one. Um, Robbie Anderson's been the one and hasn't sniffed close to 25% of the teams of his team's targets, and it's not. I'm not picking on Robbie Anderson. Um, there's a whole host of really good players that are the number ones on their offenses, which never got close to that volume, and so a volume like that um, is something that we should pay attention to. I think, and I think going right now outside the top 24 wide receivers in dynasty in what looks like his most likely year to break out. Again, as a first-round wide receiver, he really should have, it, should have done it in his second year, but he was also coming from a lower conference, and the team struggled a lot, and his um, performance itself was subpar, but it was definitely better than it was um, in his second year, so I think we're seeing some progression, um, and based on his volume and his performance last year, like I say, he measures his really good breakout. So he's a player I'm definitely reaching at least a round for in Dynasty or in Redraft. I really think 
there's a lot of upside in Corey Davis this year. Uh, the third player at the wide receiver position in this range um, that really caught my eye, it's not Tyler Boyd, but I'm going to say Tyler Boyd's name just so everyone remembers. Like, I was the last guy on the Tyler Boyd train. Well, I was like one of six people left. When he broke out last year, like, I'm a really big fan, but I've already talked about missing targets and my concerns for him this year. Um, I, I do think he has top 24 upside, but someone that uh, I'm trying to look for a little more than that with these guys that I'd be willing to reach on. Um, and the next guy is Alan Robinson. Um, it, it seems like everyone is writing him off based on last year, but last year was really positive coming off an ACL. There was no one on that team, and I can't say this clearly enough, no matter how much you or I or anyone else likes um, uh, Taylor Gabriel or Anthony um, Miller, and none of them came close to dominating targets the way Alan Robinson did on that team. Like, even in a low-performance, low-passing season as well, um, with a quarterback that was just running into form, um, Alan Robinson was the guy in the target share offense. And again, that was coming back off an ACL, where he was clearly struggling with it because his efficiency in uh, career average performance was just not there last year he was slightly unlucky in the red zone but not enough i can say that you know um we should expect points with the same performance he's gonna need to do a little bit better um, he's gonna need to play a little better and probably needs um that target pie to increase um but i don't think last year was an indication that we should give up that the upside we saw for him in that one year in jacksonville has disappeared i think it's just about maybe likely to happen again he's 25 years old if you're a dynasty player who cares about that kind of thing and he's performed really well he's had incredible fantasy seasons before and last year he proved to be nothing but the number one target leader on the bears and that's an offense that definitely shows signs of improvement with an ex with a more experienced quarterback um, who probably can't rely on rushing as much as he did last year. But still, David Montgomery, we've got high hopes for. There's a lot of positive uh, potential in this team. And Alan Robinson, I just I can see no reason why he should be down this low, um, other than he didn't finish where you wanted to last year. But you know, get get over it. Uh, frankly, is all I can tell you. Some, sometimes they struggle, and sometimes coming back off an ACL, it's difficult. Um, all right, n next guy, Jarvis Landry. Um, I've been talking about him ad nauseum on Twitter with various people who seem to expect him to be outside the top 24. I think the most reasonable projection for Jarvis Landry is for his, like his medium projection should be at or just inside the top 24. Like, not to rehash the missing target thing, but the, or I don't know why our assumption with Odo Beckham coming to the team is that Jarvis Landry is now irrelevant instead of going, oh, Roddy White and Julio, excellent or Diggs and Thielen. Like, why wouldn't a target monster like Jarvis Landry force a, a split target share like that rather than just disappearing? Um, I asked someone on Twitter, what's more likely, that Jarvis Landry has less than 20% of targets, something he hasn't done since his rookie year when he had 18%, or um, Ninjoku um Rashad Higgins and about two other players maintain a plus 10% target share. Um, as I was talking about with missing targets, there's a pattern to way, the way targets move, and it tends to be that um, incredibly talented, or what I think of as talented players, players that can dominate their team's opportunities, 
um, in the way Landry and Beckham both have done. And they take targets, if they take them from anyone, they take them from ancillary weapons. There's just no need to feed third, fourth, and fifth wide receivers to an 8, 9, 10%, 12% volume when you have uh, two players who can split 20 to 25% of the targets. And so I think it's much more reasonable to expect that to be what happens with the Browns. Now, I think we're all hoping for a little too much from the Browns in their second year, but, you know... I can't come off the train either. It's really hard to point to anything that isn't positive about the Browns' improvement into 2019. The quarterback is studly. And these two players, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, play together in college, and that's exactly what happened. Players don't diminish each other to the point that they get below average shares of opportunity. What happens is they split them a little bit more. And I think we can see that um, uh, as a more reasonable expectation for Jarvis Landry um, uh, on the Browns in 2019. If anything, it makes me more concerned about Odell Beckham's ceiling. Um, I'm not concerned about Odell Beckham's ceiling, but I think it's more likely that Odell Beckham isn't the exact wide receiver one than Jarvis Landry is wide receiver 32. Now, depending where you look at ADP, he's going anywhere from wide receiver 24 to 29 right now. I think the most consistent valuing of him is between uh, wide receiver 25 and 28. Like, I don't think he's viewed as a likely um, top 24 wide receiver right now. Um, I, I just saw one trade, Jacob Rickroad, um, who's also made this argument for Landry, by the way, um, and certainly someone that's worth checking out just in case you're crazy enough not to uh, on Twitter already. It's at Clutch Fantasy on Twitter. Yeah, I saw him trade AJ Green for Jarvis Landry, which makes a hell of a lot of sense in Dynasty when you consider age and likely um, regression curves, not to mention AJ Green's injury. And I'm a big fan of AJ Green, so he's not easy. He's not cheap. He's not sold as a outside of the top 24 wide receiver in the best leagues that I know. So if you are thinking of him as someone that's more than like more likely to finish outside the top 24, I'd ask you to reconsider it because right now like Jacob Rickroad is just running away from running away with all the value for 2019 at the wide receiver position. All right, so those are the four guys, um Tyler Lockett, Corey Davis, Alan Robinson and Jarvis Landry which really stuck out to me in the not so deep that you know saying you'll reach on them basically is meaningless because you can get them whenever you want with basically a little value loss. You know, outside the 10th round you can really reach on whoever you like. But in the fourth and fifth round, I think this is a really valuable range. And I think it's really it's really a leap to try and take one of these players um, around earlier. You're giving up on a lot of good players like Tyler Boyd, like Cooper Cup, who's in this range, or Mike Williams, Robert Woods, um, Chris Goblin, Calvin Ridley. There are some really great players in this range. But those four specifically stand out to me as uh, as good values, players that I want to reach on. So those are the four names I've got for you. There's obviously lots of other players I like, like Dee Westbrook, Cortland Sutton in Dynasty, although I don't know if I can expect quite the upside as those other four from him this season. Uh, I love Christian Kirk. I think that's well established. Um, but he's being drafted slightly later. Although, yeah, let's add him to the list. He's someone I'll easily reach from. He's going in the seventh round um, in Dynasty League Football's June 80, or sorry, July ADP. And yeah, he he's someone I easily reach on above at least the 10 players above him. Pettis, Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard, Robbie Anderson, Will Fuller. I like Will Fuller, but I'd take Kirk, Christian Kirk over him. So I'm adding him to the list. Five players. There you go. 
we got a bonus. I also wanted to mention um, some players that are not in this range that it is not fair to say you'll reach on because really, you know, it's free. You really shouldn't invest anything. Traquan Smith, well established on that. I've mentioned DD, Michael Gallup. I like these players a lot coming in, but you know, I'm still running off their rookie rank. Who's my David Moore of this year? Well, David Moore's still on the list, so is Tyrell Williams. And Keelan Cole, I'm still really impressed with what he's been able to do as an undrafted free agent, to be honest, which makes me kind of wonder what I'm expecting from Nick Foles if I like both DD and two players that are really sticking out to me. Well, all right. I just can't. The the three players, four players. Okay, just four. Um, that I'm going to mention um, is Josh Reynolds, who I've mentioned and also wrote up for the player profiler world-famous draft kit. I did the article on him. Um, I really like his value, especially if Cup is injured to start the season. Um, he's a young player in Dynasty. Uh, I think his value can definitely jump up, and he can definitely get us usable weeks in 2019, and he's basically free. Um, if you want to talk even cheaper than free, Tim Patrick. Like I say, I think Cortland Sutton's being undervalued right now, but Tim Patrick was out-targeting him, and as an undrafted free agent um, in his second year, um, to come in and out-target um, the, the team's second-round drafted wide receiver with a lot of hype, I, I I thought that was that really stood out to me and Josh Malone is a player I, I highlighted a lot a couple years ago and um, he's he's in his third year going into 2019 I don't have a lot of hope he certainly can't replace AJ Green he plays for Cincinnati and um, it hasn't looked great since he's been in Cincinnati but he has stuck on the depth chart for three years now if he makes it to 2019 and I consider that a positive sign for a, a fourth round draft pick had pretty decent college production and um, but the player I'm most targeting um, outside of Josh Reynolds is actually Kendrick Bourne I know everyone loves every other wide receiver and um, like I've even still got some love for Jordan Matthews who you know I'll roster if I can but Kendrick Bourne was a guy who surprised me based on his draft capital and he was an undrafted free agent to get so many targets and do pretty well with them last year he had 108 expected fantasy points last year expected fantasy points is an opportunity metric much more than anything else and it actually ranks him around Tyra Williams Kenny Stills slightly above Christian Kirk and slightly below Michael Gallup and Keelan Cole um, and as a guy absolutely no one's paying attention to apart from a couple of us who like to you know gather together in a support meeting on Twitter now and again I think Kendrick Bourne's really interesting again don't don't spend anything on uh, on Kendrick Bourne if he's not on your waiver wire then hey we're probably in the league together um the team's already drafted two wide receivers in two consecutive drafts um he's an undrafted free agent and even good undrafted free agents get given up on because coaches like the smell of their own farts and they want to prove they can pick a player so yeah <laughs> and they get forgotten a lot uh, and passed over. That's my worry with David Moore. Now that the Seahawks have gone out and drafted um, DK Metcalf and two other wide receivers in this year's draft. Like, um, but while a few people at least have heard of David Moore before, um, no one's no one's noticed uh, Kendrick Bourne. He had 12% of the team's targets last year as an undrafted free agent in his second year. That's actually very impressive. Um, so I think it's a name you should at least um, put on your radar, you know? So if you want to know the uh, undrafted free agent, I'll be sweating all season just hoping he has another couple good games so that I can, you know, enjoy a victory lap around Twitter that doesn't mean anything to anyone else but was really important to me. Then Kendrick Bourne's the guy. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's it.
I'm not good with positive. I think that's pretty clear. I think I'm a lot more animated and excited when I'm trying to tear something down. I'm trying to build something's like not my style, <laughs> quite obviously. But hopefully, hopefully it gives you some idea of where I'm at for the 2019 season. And um, if you want to check out this sheet that I'm looking at with all these stats and uh, like my 2019 cheat sheet or some other pithy name, I don't know. Um, I'm probably going to post it at some point on Patreon when I finish building it at least. So thanks for coming to the crossroads and hanging out with me for a little while. Hopefully my complete lack of enthusiasm for positivity hasn't completely ruined your day <laughs> um, or completely spoiled your day by being excited about Jarvis Landry even a little bit but you know good luck out there in that preseason DFS and I will see you again next week here at the crossroads thanks very much Bye. you're at the dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create Crossroads that film and analytics create. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. It's the Dynasty Crossroads where film is everything. The Dynasty Crossroads where numbers are the king. There may not be consensus, but we'll give you everything.